that process. Hello and welcome, welcome, welcome to the 60th yes. episode, 60th episode of PEM podcast, the Psychic Guide Mystery Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Laurie, along with my sidekick, fabulous sister, Sandy, who has been hanging out with me, had been hanging out with me for a couple of weeks uh, here in the thumb of Michigan. So I'm spending the summer at a friend's house. A haunted house, a haunted house. Less haunted now than it was. (laughs) Yeah, but when I was staying there, haunted. (laughs) So Sandy, there's also a cottage next door. And so I was originally at the cottage next door um, because we were redoing one of the bedrooms. And uh, so it was was set up for Sandy, soon to be set up for me. And um, uh, there was a a terrible storm. Let's back up for a second. She pulls up, she goes, okay, here's your luggage. Here's your I room. did not. I got to go did next not. door. I did not abandon it. I gave you the option. I'm like, would, would you like to stay at the cottage or do you want to stay in this big, gorgeous, beautiful house? That's a tiny bit, ha- tiny bit haunted. And you were like, I'll be fine. And I even offered to let you have the pup. I was like, take the pup if, you, if you're, no, no, I'll be fine. No, no, I'll be fine. So there's this terrible storm that rolls in that I'm deaf. And so I, I slept through and um, go ahead, take over. So Tell me what happened. like one, one thirty in the morning, been a really humid day, very hot. So all the windows are open. And yeah. then this storm, this house is sits on Lake Huron, like maybe what? Breathtaking views. Yeah. Breathtaking. Like all, all on all sides. Mm-hmm. So this storm kicks up at about one, one thirty in the morning and I hear the wind whipping. And then the next thing I hear <clears throat> is a door slam. And I, I, it startled me. And then I hear a second door slam. And now I'm getting like, Oh my God. And then I hear a third door slam. And then I'm hearing all this creaking going on. I have never in my life been more afraid to be by myself. I threw the covers (laughs) over my head. I'm shaking. I know this is stupid, but I had no other, I did not want to get up and investigate why is the house slamming doors all over the place. And then I kept saying prayers to Archangel Michael to no avail. And right. finally got out of bed, was able to close some windows. And uh, then I turned on a light and read until 3.30 in the morning. And while Victoria says, well, you could have come over and, you know, woken me up. No, I could not because there's no street lights. The wind is whipping. There's <laughs> it's re- it is really dark pelting on the street yeah. everywhere. Like, yeah. I, like after being scared in the house, you want me to run out of the house and be more scared? No. So it doesn't help that on the way up, I was driving this up and I was talking about how there have been so many Sasquatch uh, Bigfoot sightings in this area, right? So of course, Sandy in the middle of a of a hellacious storm, thunder, lightning, wind, everything is not going to brave I'm not. a 200 meter dash yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> down no. to the cottage, right? To, to be like, ding, ding. You know, for me, who's deaf and sleeping right. through this raging storm, you know, yeah. um, <laughs> the dog would have barked. Um, eventually, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, eventually. so, uh, yeah, of course, Sans had the Dickens scared out of her. Um, but, uh, yeah, the house is, uh, the room that I'm in, literally the room that I'm in was the one that I talked about on the last podcast that was haunted. And we've since learned, um, a lot of history about the, about the house. We are, we, we absolutely know who, the, the woman was who was in this room. She actually committed suicide <clears throat> here at the house. A hundred years ago, a hundred years, a hundred years ago. 
Um, and uh, when uh, the owner of the house who's owned it for 30 years, my dear friend, uh, blew kisses uh, into the room, uh, I, she, uh, unbeknownst to me at the time, she sent uh, Hattie, who was the woman who was here, she sent Hattie to the other side. There's no more female haunting energy. The third floor, however, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The third floor has a presence in the hallway, and we are very suspicious as to who we we think that Hattie, Hattie's husband, who died prematurely, is the one that marches up and down the hallways, and um, not you know, there's no malevolence, malevolence. There's no malice. There's no anger. It's just a heavy, sort of depressed presence. So at some point, I think I'll go up there and be like, what was his name? What's his name? Charles? Can't remember his name. No idea. He just likes to slam doors. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. James. That was James. it. James. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think James did not slam doors. That's not James. That was the wind. Um, it was a dark and stormy night. It was horrible. <laughs> And then a bat flew around in the house oh while I was there in the living room watching TV. It was an entertaining experience. Yeah, Let's just say. Bats. Yeah. Yeah. Two dead. We, we, <laughs> we saved one. We, meaning me, I saved one into the little boxy wind, you know, put him outside next to a tree. Um, it was a cute little thing. And they uh, are definitely cute, but not when they're flying over your head in, in a very exotic, <laughs> like living room, stately yeah, exactly. living room. Do not pick up a live bat ever. Don't pick up a life. I had gloves. I had a box. I was able to scoop him in. He was tired. The, the wind, the storm was still kind of raging a little bit. Uh, and I tucked him into a, um, an out, like a little alcove where he could climb up a tree, um, and be protected by the wind. So, um, but don't pick up a bat. Don't ever pick up a bat. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, and I did, the reason I did that was because, my friend has a tennis racket specifically devoted to ridding the house of bats. And I was like, I was like, I'm down. And the bat was caught between the window and the screen, right? It had crawled up. And so I go Sandy. That's the go, one that was flying around because the window was go, open in the kitchen. Yeah, exactly. I was like, Sandy, don't tell our friend that the bat's alive. I'm like, don't tell her because she'll kill it. And of course eagle-eared you yeah. know like bat-eared uh, a friend of ours is like what the bat's alive and I'm like I'm taking care of it I'm taking care of it so uh no bats were further harmed in the making of this podcast so yeah bats are bats are enormously beneficial I agree um, they and they're insects. wonderful yes. just not inside when they're flying yes, around I know. yeah <laughs> so I know I'm making it sound like it was a terrible experience overall it was a amazing soul renewing incredible. Uh, two weeks really yeah. had an amazing time. So yeah. thank you. We've never spent since childhood. We haven't spent that much time together. I disagree with that, but that's okay. Well, when you lived you... with me for a year. I've banished it from my memory. There you... <laughs> <laughs> we haven't spent leisurely time together. Yes, like exactly. Since we've moved away from each other, we haven't spent um, that much time together. And it was just awesome, which leads us into the, the anecdote for today, because it's a really incredible anecdote. And um, so 
Sandy comes up here and um, a dear friend of ours, uh, a gentleman that we've referred to a couple of times who had an enormous effect on our lives, most uh, more on Sandy's life than my life. Um, the anniversary of his path, passing is today. And so Sandy wanted to do a tribute to him knowing that the anniversary was coming up. She wanted to do a tribute to him. So um, she so sweetly said, you know, I want to say a prayer for him. I want to go out because he loved the water, absolutely loved the water. So she took one of the kayaks um, out, she's paddling out. Yeah. Uh, well. Victoria's like, <laughs> bye, see ya. Have fun like that, you know, Good luck. kisses. Good luck storm um, in the castle. Yeah. So it was, and, and it was rough water. It wasn't like it was smooth. It was rough water that day. So she <laughs> goes out towards the lighthouse. There's a lighthouse out here. She heads out towards the lighthouse. She says a prayer and she threw into the water. She brought a, a white rose. She threw a white rose into the water. And then she comes paddling back and, you know, obviously moved by the tribute that she made. And I'm like, that's, you know, so sweet. He's going to love that. I'm sure he does love that. Blah, 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 blah. So um, anyway, um, I'm going to share screen here. Okay. So just to give you context, um, this, oops, sorry. Um, this photo that this photo sorry ignore, do you see the dots Sam? i do yes okay, ignore the dots that was just me um uh this photo was one that i took at the same angle that the next couple were taken at slightly different location but exact same time of day and in uh, the area where i had tossed yeah, the exactly yeah. exactly exact same time of day um and you know beautiful sunrise the sunrises out here are just too they are amazing they're, they're incredible and so just to prove to you that it's not a trick of the camera, that it is, this actually happened. So um, Sandy, uh, right before she leaves, so the day before she's done this tribute, and then so um, the day before she leaves, she- uh, It was actually the morning take, The morning I was leaving. Oh, I'm sorry. The, the, the day before she had done the tribute, the morning that she leaves, um, she had taken- this My last book. sort of parting shots of the lake. So, uh, is that the right one? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So there's an orb right by the fence. Right. Okay. So she'd taken, yes. So she'd taken this photo and then she took, did you see the green ball, everybody? Then she took, um, it's by the fence, this one, which is the orb moving. So it's literally moving. My sister's just snapping. She's just snapping a picture. And no right? idea. No yeah, idea. Exactly. Didn't see it, you know, blah, blah, blah. So this orb is moving. And then she takes the final picture. Um, that was the final picture. Oh, it was? Yeah. Because oh. oh, I walked back to the car. Moving. Yeah. yeah. Um, walked back to the car. I think it's this one, right? Is that the right yeah. one? Yeah. Yes. It's hard to tell on my screen. So I'm heading back to the car, kind of taking pictures. Just backing and, up. Yeah. She's just backing up. The car's like right there. So this is our friend coming in from the lake after that beautiful tribute. Um, and if you can see, you know, um, this incredible orb, this brilliant bright green um, orb is just incredible. <clears throat> um, and I've, I've widened it to look at it. It's brilliant blue green perfect circle. We know it's not a reflection of the sun because do you see that how the sun is like hidden by the cloud 
right? There's none of that when you blow it up. It's a perfect green orb. Um, and uh, uh, we didn't see it, honestly, until we got back to um, Your my apartment. home. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my home. And we were having lunch and Sandy scrolling through her uh, sunrise photos. And she's like, oh my God. And she showed me. And it was just the sequence of this orb kind of coming at her, which I thought was so amazing. So um, yeah. Uh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Right. Yeah. He really right. appreciated the tribute, um, which is what you want. You know, I will tell you all that they want on the other side. Really. The only thing that they want is to be remembered. You do them such an honor by simply remembering them, thinking of them every once in a while. They like get such a kick out of it. It's really, really a sweet thing to do. So you don't need to do a big memorial thing. You can just talk, talk to them, just talk about them. Just like I have, uh, on my dresser, I have photos of ancestors. Um, and I try and on my calendar, I try and note everybody's birthday. So going back two, three generations, I note uh, their birthdays and on their birthdays, I get an alert and I send a prayer up and say, thank you. And they, they, they're tickled by it. They love it. So, you know, think about doing that. Think about giving a nod to someone that you know and love who's crossed over. They can hear everything that you say to them. They cannot read your mind. Um, and it just really lifts them up. So if you love them, think about them. Yeah, that's heaven when you're yeah. remembered. Exactly, yes. exactly. Yeah. Okay. And then book promotion today, I just got, these are called galleys. These are um, uncorrected page proofs, meaning that there's some typos in them. And there's a few in here um, of Coaching Fire which is the final book in the Cat Gilly series, Life, uh, Life Post Coach Mystery Series. It's the final one. Um, I picked out this entire outfit. <laughs> this is a Michael Kors outfit. Um, and I found a warehouse that I really liked. And I'm like, I went flame shooting out of it. And so this illustrator did a, just a marvelous job. It, you know, screams drama. So this comes out in... November, I think November, but it's for sale. It's a, a pre-sale for pre-sale right now. So if you would like to pre-order your book, head to anywhere books are sold and uh, look for Coaching Fire. By it's, a, it's a very fun read and answers a cliffhanger that happens in book four. Yes. And it has, it has a good ending. I have to say it has a good ending. I'm going to give myself props. It has a good ending. So anyway, all right, Sans, take it away. We have right. a great case today. So this week's case is uh, was recommended to us by Mary Douglas, who also recommended to us the Bricka Family Murders, uh, which Thank is one of our yes, which is one of our more popular podcasts. So this uh, is about Natalie Wood and her mysterious death. Uh, it be, uh, on November 29, nineteen eighty one, legendary TV and film actress Natalie Wood went missing from the yacht she shared with her husband, actor Robert Wagner only to be found approximately six hours later, floating face down in the Pacific Ocean off the coast of California's Catalina Island. Initially ruled an accidental death by drowning, speculation has ensued for 40 years since about whether this beloved star's death really was an accident. In 2011, the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department officially reopened its investigation into Natalie Wood's death, and in 2012, the L.A. County Chief Coroner amended her death certificate and changed the cause of death from accidental drowning to, quote, drowning and other undetermined factors, end quote. 
The amended document included a statement that is that it is, quote, not clearly established, end quote, how 43-year-old Natalie Wood ended up in the water. To date, Natalie Wood's death remains an open, unsolved case. Natalie Zakarenko was born on July 20th, 1938, five months after her Russian immigrant parents, Maria and Nicholas, had married. The small family lived in San Francisco, California until 1942, when the couple bought a home in Santa Rosa. Natalie's sister, Svetlana, was born a year later on March 1st, 1946. Fascinated by the movie industry, Natalie started acting at the age of four and was given the stage name Natalie Wood by RKO executives. Her sister, Svetlana, also became an actress under the name Lana Wood. At the age of eight, Natalie starred as Susan Walker in the 1947 holiday classic movie Miracle on 34th Street. As a teenager, she was nominated for an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress for her performance in the 1955 movie Rebel Without a Cause. In an early 1960s, Natalie transitioned from teenage roles starting in the musical films West Side Story in 1961 and Gypsy in 1962 to adult roles, which earned her nominations for an Academy Award for Best Actress for her performances in Splendor in the Grass in 1961 and Love with a Proper Stranger in 1963. Her film career continued to flourish, through the 1960s, culminating with her 1969 performance in Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. For the remainder of her career, Natalie would only act in four more theatrical films, opting instead to act in a variety of television miniseries in the late 1970s and early 1980s. She was married three times during her short life. In 1956, at the age of 18, the studio system arranged a first date for her with 26-year-old Robert Wagner to garner publicity. The attraction turned out to be very real, and the couple married on December 28, 1957, after Robert proposed by placing a pearl and diamond ring in Natalie's champagne glass. The couple spent much of their honeymoon on a yacht navigating the Florida Keys. And while yachting was a passion for the couple, uh, Nat Natalie often spoke of her fear of deep water, which stemmed from a prophecy told to her highly superstitious Russian mother by a gypsy that predicted Natalie would die in dark water. The Wagner marriage was initially short-lived. The couple separated in 1961 and divorced the following year. Natalie remained publicly silent on the reasons behind the divorce, although rumors swirled that the breakup was because she had had an affair with her Splendor in the Grass co-star, Warren Beatty. After her beloved sister's death, however, Lana Wood suggested that the real reason behind the breakup was due to Natalie walking in on her husband engaging in an illicit activity with another man. For Suzanne Fenestad's definitive biography on Natalie Wood, Lana recalled Natalie arriving in hysterics at their parents' house, her hand bleeding, and shutting herself in her former bedroom. Natalie woke up in a hospital, dazed and in shock, after taking an overdose of sleeping pills and slipping briefly into a coma. Following the end of her first marriage, Natalie dated Warren Beatty, Michael Caine, and David Niven Jr. She also broke off engagement, an engagement in 1965 with Venezuelan shoe manufacturer Ladislav Latnik. She went on to date British producer Richard Gregson for nearly three years before marrying on May 30th, 1969. She gave birth to the couple's daughter, Natasha, on September 29th, 1970. However, 11 months later, Natalie filed for divorce from Richard in August 1971 due to an inappropriate conversation between Richard and his secretary. Their divorce was finalized on April 12th, 1972. After a short-lived romance with future governor, California Governor Jerry Brown, Natalie, and Robert Wagner rekindled their relationship at the end of January 1972, making the Academy Awards event their first public outing as a couple. 
The two remarried on July 16, 1972, aboard the Ramblin' Rose, anchored off Paradise Cove in Malibu. By this time, Natalie had settled into semi-retirement, opting instead to focus on her marriage and her children. The couple's only child together, Courtney, was born in March of 1974, and along with Natasha Gregson and Robert's child, Katie, from a previous marriage, the Wagners formed an admirable Hollywood family unit. Thanksgiving weekend, 1981, on a break from filming the $15 million science fiction film Brainstorm, the Wagners invited Natalie's co-star, Christopher Walken, to join them for a weekend boat trip to Santa Catalina Island aboard Robert's 58-foot motor yacht named the Splendor. The three stars were joined by boat captain Dennis Davern. Although rainy weather was predicted for the night of the November 28, 1981, the sea wasn't reported to be rough, making it easy enough for, ding for dinghies from boats anchored in and around the harbor to navigate to shore. At about 5 p.m., Natalie, Robert, and Christopher were spotted at Doug's Harbor Reef, seated at a table partying with champagne. Around 7 p.m., the Wagner party was seated for dinner, with which they ordered more champagne and continued to enjoy themselves. When the three stars left the restaurant at about 10.30 p.m., Don Whiting, the night manager of the restaurant, called Kirk Craig of the Harbor Patrol and asked him to check on the group, fearing that they were too intoxicated to reach the Splendor safely in their dinghy. Later that night, Paul Miller and his wife were aboard the yacht Easy Rider and couldn't sleep due to a wild party that was raging on shore, blasting loud music across the cove. Frustrated by the disturbance, at 1.15 in the morning, Paul Miller reached for the radio microphone and turned to the Harbor Channel, which all boats monitor. Un unable to reach the Bay Coast Guard detail, his radio suddenly captured the voice of Robert Wagner, asking if Easy Rider was cruising in the vicinity. Miller responded, no. Well, this is splendor. We think we may have someone missing in an 11-foot rubber dinghy. Don Whiting, the night manager at Doug's Harbor Reef, was reading a paperback book in the cabin of the boat on which he lived year-round, and he heard the conversation between Rag Wagner and Miller. Don immediately raided a friend on the isthmus to go to the Wagner yacht and report back to him about the situation. 30 minutes later, light beams from harbor patrol boats, private boats of the Baywatch, and Coast Guard helicopters began to crisscross the ocean. The beams illuminated rolling waves along with yachts and sailing boats rocking in the swells, but there was no sign of Natalie or the Splendor's dinghy. At 7.30 in the morning of, of November 29th, a sheriff's office helicopter was heading toward Catalina to, to aid in the search when one of the crew members spotted something red floating in the ocean waves below. As the helicopter descended toward the sea, the crew detected Natalie Wood in a red downfield jacket floating face down. Once her body was recovered 30 minutes later, authorities made another settling discovery. In addition to her jacket, Natalie was only wearing a nightgown and knee-length wool socks. It was apparent that she had not dressed for a boat ride, and yet at the time, police believed she may have purposely untied the line of the small Valiant brand inflatable dinghy from the Splendor. The location of her body was less than one mile south of the Wagner yacht, off an isolated cove known as Blue Cavern Point. The missing dinghy was discovered onshore even farther to the south. The key in the ignition of the boat was turned to the off position, the gear was in neutral, and the oars were tied down. Police were surprised to find that the dinghy had not been operated. When Natalie was pulled from the water, sheriff's personnel say the body was absent of any rigor and they noted foam coming from her mouth. They also documented that Natalie had numerous bruises to her arms and legs and eyes appeared cloudy. Foul play was not suspected at this time. Pamela Eaker, a skilled investigator on the medical examiner staff, traveled to Catalina to interview Robert Wagner about the events leading up to Natalie's disappearance. 
Robert told the investigator that after their group had returned to the Splendor from Doug's Harbor Reef, he and Christopher Walken went to the wardroom of the yacht for a nightcap while Natalie retired to her quarters. The last time he remembered seeing his wife was at about quarter of 11. Then sometime after midnight, Robert went to their cabin and noticed that Natalie wasn't in bed. After a quick search of the yacht, he discovered that the dinghy was also missing. Unconcerned at first because Natalie often took the boat out alone, he became more upset as time passed and finally radioed for help around 1.15 a.m. Natalie's autopsy was conducted by, do by Dr. Joseph Choi, a board-certified forensic pathologist, which revealed some intriguing facts. One, a recent widespread bruise measuring approximately four inches by one inch was found over the lateral aspect of Natalie's right arm above the wrist. On the left wrist was a slight superficial fresh bruise about a half inch in diameter. Two, numerous small superficial skin bruises measuring approximately a half to one inch in diameter were scattered over her right leg and lower left leg. They appeared to be relatively fresh. The left knee area showed a recent bruise measuring approximately two inches in diameter. Three, the right ankle had a recent bruise measuring about two inches in diameter, and there were small superficial bruises on the posterior aspect of both lower legs, each measuring a half inch to two inches. Uh, four, a vertical widespread abrasion on the left cheek was the only head wound. There were no deep or traumatic injuries to the skull. The toxicology report revealed that the alcohol content in Natalie's blood was 0.14%. 0.4% above the intoxication standard as set by the California Vehicular Code. Additionally, there were traces of a motion sickness pill and a painkiller in her bloodstream, both of which increased the effects of the alcohol she had consumed. The LA County Medical Examiner, Dr. Thomas Noguchi, ruled Natalie's cause of death to be accidental drowning and hyperthermia. He concluded that Natalie sustained the vertical abrasion on her cheek above upon striking her face and falling into the ocean while attempting to board the dinghy. Because she did not sustain a traumatic head wound from the fall, she was likely conscious while in the water. The bruises on her lower legs were incurred during the fall. The weight of the waterlogged down jacket of 30 to 40 pounds is likely the reason behind the drowning. Had she simply removed her jacket, she might have made it to the dinghy and survived. Natalie was buried in Westwood Village Memorial Park Cemetery in Los Angeles. Among the well-attended funeral were celebrities Frank Sinatra, Elizabeth Taylor, Fred Astaire, Rock Hudson, David Niven, Gregory Peck, Gene Kelly, Elia Kazan, and Laurence Olivier. The science fiction film brainstormed that she had been filming shor shortly before uh, her death was released posthumously on September 30th, 1983, and was dedicated to Natalie Wood in the closing credits. 30 years later, Natalie's case was reopened in November of 2011, following a statement made to authorities by Splendor's captain, Dennis Davern. Davern admitted that he had lied to police during the initial investigation and that Natalie and Robert had had an argument the night of the November 28, 1981. He alleged that Natalie had been flirting with castmate Christopher Walken, which enraged Robert Wagner. Davern claimed that Robert had prevented him from turning on the searchlights and notifying authorities after Natalie's disappearance. He further alleged that Robert Wagner was responsible for his wife's death. In his 2009 memoir, Pieces of My Heart, Robert Wagner admitted that he had had an argument with Natalie before she disappeared. Biographer Susan, Suzanne Finstead put it more bluntly, the man that Natalie Wood married, not, not once but twice, who would often say the glass with glass raised, she takes my breath away, refused to search for two and a half hours when Natalie went missing from their boat in the waters off of Catalina Island. In 2012, the Los Angeles County Chief Coroner amended Natalie Wood's death certificate and changed the cause of death from accidental drowning to drowning and other undetermined factors. 
The amended document included a statement that it is, quote, not clearly established, end quote, how Natalie Wood end up, ended up in the water. On January 14, 2013, the L.A. County Coroner's Office offered a 10-page addendum to her autopsy report that considered Natalie Wood might have sustained some of the bruises on her body before she went into the water, but that, but that this could not be definitively determined. Specifically, Natalie had unexplained fresh bruising on her right forearm, left wrist, and right knee, a scratch on her neck, and a superficial scrape on her forehead. Officials said that it was possible that she was assaulted before she drowned. In February of 2018, Robert Wagner was named a person of interest by the police in the investigation as he was the last person to be with Natalie Wood before she disappeared overboard. In 2020, biographer Suzanne Finisted re-released her book, Natalie Wood, The Complete Biography, which describes even more conclusively that Natalie Wood didn't drown by accident because she was drunk on wine and champagne. Using the sheriff's murder book, Suzanne turned up three witnesses to Natalie's death, including a statement by Christopher Walken that he heard the fight between Robert and Natalie, and that he told a friend not long after Natalie drowned that Robert had pushed her. Suzanne also learned that Vidal Herrera took photographs of Natalie's body for the coroner's office, documenting significant rooms to Natalie's head. The L.A. County Sheriff's investigator, Ralph Hernandez, concurs that Natalie's head wounds are troubling and may indicate that she was in a violent fight and was pushed or tossed into the water while unconscious. Suzanne's third witness, Dr. Michael Franco, a family medicine specialist, was a volunteer intern at the L.A. coroner's office in 1981 when Natalie's body was flown in from Catalina. As a volunteer, he was not listed as a coroner employee and therefore would not have been questioned about his findings. However, what he observed and found suspicious were the bruises on Natalie's interior thighs and shins. He described these abrasions as friction burns, which he found were in opposite direction of somebody trying to get onto a boat. It was likely that these injuries were sustained by being pushed forcefully off of a boat. Quote, there's no reason to have those unless you're being pushed off of a surface. And they were deeper than just a simple slip off because there are some, there is some back and forth, end quote. The amount of noticeable bruising to the thigh shouldn't have been there. The striations that Dr. Franco saw on the body at the autopsy are consistent with the possibility that Natalie tried to hoist herself onto the dinghy from the water. Someone, Franco concluded, was pushing her down and wouldn't let her stay on. Dr. Franco stated to Do Dr. Thomas Nagochi, the presiding medical examiner at the time of Natalie's death, that he found Natalie's bruises were substantial and fitting for someone being thrown out of a boat. Author Suzanne Finisted goes on to speculate the possibility that Wagner might have dropped the dinghy into the water to make it look like Natalie had gone ashore, which was the same story he gave to police. Backing up her theory is a statement made by Captain Dennis Davern about the events on the night in question. He said he heard the dinghy being dropped on into the water after the horrible fight he'd heard on the rear deck and that he saw Robert somewhere near the dinghy. The next time Dennis Davern saw Robert, he was sweating, looking like he'd been in a struggle, and said the digging was gone. The last words that Davern purportedly heard Robert say to Natalie were, quote, get off my fucking boat, end quote. Natalie's sister, Lana Wood, has stated publicly that she doesn't understand why Robert Wagner didn't go to his wife's side after her body had been recovered. Instead, she was identified by Splendor's captain, Dan Dennis Davern. Additionally, Lana remained stunned by Robert's decision not to speak with investigators to clear his name. Sources claim that Robert's memory is unreliable, and he has had early onset memory loss and really doesn't want to speak with investigators, but Lana isn't buying it. In May of 2022, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department announced that it had cleared Robert Wagner in its investigation into the death of his late wife, Natalie Wood, per Lieutenant Hugo 
Renaga, all leads in the Natalie Wood case have been exhausted and the case remains an open, unsolved case. If additional leads surface in the future, which have not already been investigated, the case will be re reassigned to a detective to investigate the new leads. Two additional controversies followed Natalie Wood after her tragic death. The first was in 2013, former FBI agent Donald G. Wilson claimed that he and Natalie had had a four-year affair from 1973 to 1977 that began when she was pregnant with her daughter, Courtney Wagner. Wilson claims that he met Natalie at, uh, in Idaho, and in 1973, while he was on a law enforcement speaking tour, and Natalie was at a last-minute trip to take a break from Robert. After their initial encounter, the two continued to meet up but kept their romance a secret because the disclosure would, quote, harm their respective careers. Wilson claims that the decision to end their relationship was mutual. Secondly, as a child actress, Natalie wasn't immune from being exploited by older men. Her biographer, Suzanne Finstead, Natalie was purportedly pimped at 15 to Frank Sinatra and exploited into a sexual liaison as a teenager with 42-year-old director Nicholas Ray to prove that she could play a bad girl in Rebel Without a Cause. Unfortunately, these incidents weren't the worst things that happened to her. In 2018, Lana Wood publicly disclosed that her beloved sister was raped at the age of 16 by a powerful Hollywood figure during an alleged assault at California's Chateau Marmont Hotel that went on for hours. Lana claims that she was in the car with her mother waiting for Natalie to come out from a so-called interview. The ride home was not a happy one, as both Natalie and their mother spoke in heated undertones. While the sisters never spoke about the alleged assault, Lana said she overheard the heartbreaking details by being discussed by her parents. She also said the family knew the identity of Natalie's alleged tractor, but never confronted him. Natalie confided in five close friends about the incident, of which the essence is a married film star lured or tricked Natalie, raped her so brutally that she was physically injured, and she was too frightened or intimidated to report it to police. Afterward, Natalie hated her former screen idol and shuddered if she heard his name. Careful not to engage the powerful movie star, she kept the horrible secret and behaved as if nothing had ever happened between them when their paths crossed. In 2021, a year after his death, Lana published the memoir, Little Sister, My Investigation into the Mysterious Death of Natalie Wood, and in that book, she identified Kirk Douglas as Natalie's alleged assailant. Sadly, Natalie Wood has had no one to protect her in life or in death. In the early morning hours of November 29, 1981, the famed 43-year-old actress struggled alone in the stormy sea with no one responding to her calls for help, living out her fated prophecy until she finally succumbed and drowned in the dark waters that surrounded her. My sources for this story include Wikipedia, Natalie Wood, Vanity Fair, Natalie Wood's drowning was not an accident, an exclusive excerpt from Natalie Wood, Suzanne Finistead's definitive bi biography by Suzanne Finistead, March 11th, 2020. FBI agent claims he had secret affair with Natalie Wood. Did Robert Wagger know? By Radar Staff, March 5th, 2015. HuffPost, what really happened the night Natalie Wood died? By Paola Crespo, the lineup contributor, November 18th, 2015. Uh, Fox News, Natalie Wood's sister, Lana, claims Star was raped. Reveals deal details of her siblings' final days by Stephanie Nolasco, July 31st, 2018. Biography, Inside Natalie Wood and Robert Wagner's Tumultuous Relationship by Colin Bertram, May 1st, 2020. And page six, Robert Wagner cleared as Natalie Wood's case gets cold by Francisca Bacardi, May 27, 2022. So, B, do you have any thoughts on this case? I have quite a few, actually. So <clears throat> where to start? Where to start? Um, first of all, let's talk about <clears throat> Sands. <laughs> You hit your video. 
excuse my sister is probably uh, hanging out with the puppy right now, getting the puppy to cooperate because the little in the background were too adorable for words. Anyway, um, so let's Sorry talk about, about uh, yeah, let's talk about the fact that um, it, it, I think it's pretty clear that Natalie Wood was an alcoholic. Probably Robert Wagner was an alcoholic. Uh, these were people that regularly abused alcohol. So if they start kind of partying at seven o'clock and keep going all the way to 1030, that's three and a half hours of drinking that probably carried over onto the boat uh, for a while and um, uh, probably had a lot to do with the circumstances surrounding Natalie's passing, um, tragic death. So um, I, I, I buy everything that sort of happened, uh, as was reported happened, uh, by Paul Miller, by, um, uh, who was the other, uh, guy, uh, Don, and then there was another gentleman, right, um, who was talking about kind of the events as they unfolded, uh, around 1.15 in the morning. <clears throat> um, so Natalie is in the water for six hours. They find her. She's bloated enough now to have surfaced and she's bogged down by this down coat. So first of all, let's talk about this theory that Robert Wagner pushed her overboard forcefully. She's trying to scramble up and he's either pushing her back down or forcefully pushing her back down. Okay, first of all, <laughs> he's over six feet tall. She's five foot three and weighs nothing. Second of all, she is wearing a down coat, right? I'm assuming it was long because it was 30 to 40 pounds. So it was probably to her ankles, probably wasn't a short jacket, probably was a long one. And uh, those get wet and heavy immediately. It's not like, you know, you're buoyed for a while and it sort of gains water after it. They get heavy immediately. So anybody who's ever washed a down comforter or a down blanket, uh, knows trying to pull it out of the washing machine is a pain in the ass because uh, they're heavy. So that would have taken her under pretty damn fast, uh, probably within a couple of seconds. The other notion that all she had to do was wiggle out of the um, down comforter, uh, they cling to you. You know, as the as the air uh, gets expelled from in between the down feathers and they take on water, um, the, the wrap clings to you, the coat would have clung to her. So getting out of it, it's not like, I don't think she thought I shouldn't get out of it. She had to have known it was heavy. She probably did struggle to get out of it, but it was clinging to her. And so she couldn't. Plus the fact that I think she was bombed out of her mind. I think she was really very drunk. Um, and, uh, the painkiller and, uh, what else was in her system, Sam? It was painkiller. It's an anti, um, seasickness pill. Yeah. So, um, and I've had a, a, a seasickness pill and that does make you a little tiny bit loopy. Um, it makes you very drowsy, actually. It makes you extremely drowsy. So that with the painkiller, that with the alcohol, I think that was, uh, a very dangerous cocktail, uh, for her. The down jacket just kind of totally, you know, made it sort of impossible for her to save herself. I think she and Robert had a pretty significant argument. He may or may not have said, get the fuck off my boat. Even if he did, 
Um, it would have taken him nothing just to kind of toss her over the boat. So all of these bruises, right? Everybody's like, oh, the bruises, the bruises. Right now, I'm like covered in bruises. <laughs> I've been moving some furniture around. I have been, you know, carrying stuff up and down stairs. Uh, I've been doing a little bit of CrossFit. If you're active at all, and Natalie Wood probably was pretty active. She's drunk. She's stumbling along, um, uh, not only on shore, but probably on the dock. She's probably banging into stuff. Fresh bruises are nothing. They're nothing. It's not like she had this pristine body where nothing, no blemish, nothing would have, you know, followed her uh, being thrown overboard. Uh, it, it, she was a drunk. Unfortunately, I believe, I firmly believe she was an alcoholic and they're not known for their coordination, especially when they're bombed. So I don't buy this whole, she was beaten. I don't buy this whole, you know, she was knocked around. It, you know, the head wounds were significant. She could have fallen in, been trying to struggle, come up under the dinghy. Um, it had a motor that could have lacerated her scalp. Like there's, or when she became buoyant again, she had six hours in the water. She could have bumped into floating debris. You know, it's this whole notion that it had to have come from Ralph or Robert Wagner had, has never sat with me. It just doesn't make sense. This is not a guy that's going to throw throw this woman overboard with witnesses um, and watch her drown and then think, oh, I should throw in the dinghy as well. Um, but it, it just is so freaking implausible, right? It's just ridiculous, honestly. And that there are all these people that are stepping forward, like this FBI agent, I had an affair with her. I'm not buying that for a second. I don't buy that for a second. That's bullshit. No way. Especially given that he claims she was pregnant at the time. I'm sorry, right. but no. No. Fucking bullshit. It's no. bullshit. No. Right? And it just is sort of trying to add fuel to the fire that Robert Wagner had caused to murder her. I don't, I'm not buying it. I don't buy it at all. Um, and then the, the boat captain, 30 years go by. And then suddenly you're like, oh, I want to change my entire story. Bullshit. Um, so this uh, Suzanne Finstead um, woman, I think that she is making a lot out of really nothing. She's really trying to throw scandal and uh, sensationalize circumstances that were absolutely tragic into something much bigger. So I trust that the cops thoroughly investigated this. Robert Wagner's story has never changed other than admitting, yes, we had an argument, which given the circumstances, shocker, you know, um, they had many arguments. They had a tumultuous relationship. I don't believe he ever got physical with her. I just don't. I don't buy it. Um, he's had too many other relationships with known stars. Jill St. John is going to be like, oh, I'm going to keep the secret that he's a secret wife beater. I, She's not like that. I just am not buying this at all. This whole notion that he was responsible for her passing. I think they had an argument. She was stumbling around drunk. She got pissed off. She was like, fine, I'll get off your fucking boat. And she tried to get it in the dinghy. She miscalculated, fell into the water. The down coat took her down. Um, and that was it. Lights out. That was it. So yeah, th that was my thoughts. I just, I'm not, I've never bought that there was anything, any undercurrent coming from him. I totally believe the Kurt Douglas story though. A hundred percent. I believe that Kurt Douglas had it in him to 
uh, rape her. Absolutely. Cause there's always, there was always a little bit of an edge. Like, is anybody surprised when they heard that Kirk Douglas actually raped Natalie Wood? You know, you might've been like, you know, kind of like, that's terrible, but are you shocked or could you see it? Like I can see it. So I believe that. Um, I believe that uh, she absolutely was picked out uh, at the age of 15 because that was Hollywood that probably up until very recently, up until Me Too has remained Hollywood. And I'm sure it's still going on in certain corners. Um, but the whole idea that Robert was responsible for this murder that he got away with, with one of the most uh, beautiful, well-known movie stars in the entire world. And the police couldn't crack him, break him, blah, 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 blah. I'm not buying it. And I also, with Lana's point of, he didn't rush to his wife's side after she was found. Have you ever seen a drowned victim? <laughs> they are bloated and um, that is not a memory you can unsee, right? That is not a thing you can ever unsee. If it was my loved one and they had spent six hours in the water and uh, it was rough looking, I would not, I would send someone else, identify, you know, my beloved. I would not want to see that. He has always struck me as a fairly sensitive person. I can absolutely understand why he would be like, shaken, rattled. He probably felt supremely guilty because they had been in an argument. She ends up in the water. She ends up drowning. Um, I truly believe he loved this woman. I, I can't see him going, yes, let me go identify her. Like that just, he'd had enough, right? In that short period of time. Did Lana go rushing to identify her sister? No, they sent someone else. That's common. Well, I think proximity would be why Lana didn't go. And I agree with you that um, Robert was probably shielded by his people right. from going right. to see his wife. You know, Right. Something that he could never unsee. That, that is the last memory of your loved one. And that just isn't. Drowned victims are bloated, blue. Uh, her eyes were cloudy and there was foam coming from her mouth. This is not a picture of Natalie Wood that he ever would have wanted to remember her by. So I think that he was protected. The fact that he didn't talk to police, of course he didn't talk to police. He'd argued with her and knew that all of these other people would have gotten hold of a leak um, interview or whatever he said and turned it into something. So his attorneys very wisely said, shut the fuck up. You have nothing to say to the police, you know, anything he, that you say can and will be used against you. Right. He also had a very protective uh, agent who yeah. kind of shielded him constantly was in, was protecting Robert Wagner's image uh, right. from the early days forward. Right. So, yeah. Right. And um, it's, none of it strikes me as unusual. None of it strikes me as the story doesn't jive, the story that he's always told jive. Um, and, um, I, I just, I believe him and I believe that it was an absolutely tragic accident, totally plausible to have happened the way they've always reported it happened. That was my thoughts. You may disagree, but that was my thoughts. Well, thank you.
You're welcome. Thank you very much for your insights. And well, thank you uh, very much for writing up the story. Yes. It's fascinating though, isn't it? It, it is. You know, it, yeah. there's just sort of enough there where you're like, hmm. But I think if you dive into it pretty deeply, there just isn't enough there to go, oh man, he got away with it. Well, um, I, I should also mention that all three daughters uh, from both of their marriages have staunchly stood by their father. Yeah. N- none of them have ever, and uh, wait, two of them are not his, wait, one right. is not his natural daughter. Um, both of they, them. Of the no, three. There's, oh, there's, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. One of them. Right. One of them yeah. is not his natural daughter, but they've all staunchly stood by their father. His wife, Jill St. John has staunchly mm-hmm. stood by her husband. Um, I, it doesn't add up. You don't, right. You don't change behavior some, overnight. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. You don't, you don't go from a guy who is passionate, right. Um, in his love for her. And uh, of course they had arguments as, as intoxicated people do. And they have sometimes loud arguments. You don't go from having a loud argument to suddenly killing, murdering your wife. Like just, there needs to be documented evidence, um, clues from other people, you know? Well, beyond that, uh, Christopher Walken, right? Mm -hmm. He was there. Mm -hmm. The only statement that's come from him has been third hearsay. It's not, Mm -hmm. He's not, not ever given a statement about what happened. Right. Um, he, it's not that he was very close friends with Robert Wagner. He was actually doing a movie with Natalie Wood at the time. Mm-hmm. And it could have mm-hmm. very well been that he was an orphan for Thanksgiving and they just invited him to join right. them. But, you know, they're right. not known to be best friends. So right. Plus guarding- the fact that she was flirting with him. I believe that she was probably flirting with him. Right. And so he had every reason if Robert Wagner, if he believed that Robert Wagner hadn't been violent with his with his wife with natalie to come forward and say hey guys investigate this further because i yeah. really think he had something to do with it right. and, he, and he's never come right. forward with anything right right i just want to point out really quick just so you, to my earlier point see this right i got that the other day i was moving a heavy piece of furniture this cup right here yeah. people walk around with bruises and cuts constantly like it's just not unusual so I'm not buying it. Okay. Yeah. Well, she would have well, had, like, if he had been violent, she would have had, like, a bruised face, right? Or she would have had bruised ribs, uh, something. He's a big, powerful man. Yeah. So not, you know, uh, a bruise this big, this long, you know, shit. I've got that on my shin right now. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Like it's people walk around with cuts and bruises constantly. It's, it's just part of being active. Well, she's she being tossed, she was being tossed around in the ocean too. When she went in, exactly. so, you know, anything exactly. could have happened. She could have been trying to cling to something, the boat right. and right. suffered the bruises. So, right. And the whole thing that the dinghy wasn't turned on, she tried to get in the dinghy. She missed. Yeah. So mystery solved. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. you know. Well, thank you to Mary Douglas for recommending this case. Thanks, Mary. Um, yeah. Uh, if you'd like to know more about Victoria. Head to victoriamurray.com. If you would like to schedule an appointment with me, head to victoriamurray.com. If you'd like to learn more about my books, head to victoriamurray.com. If you would like to become a member of my Patreon page, uh, type my name into patreon.com uh, and it'll take me take you to my Patreon page. Uh, 
cage page. Um, sometimes it feels like a cage. No, I'm kidding. Um, I've been doing some AMAs over there. They've been super popular. So ask, ask me, me anything. Yeah, ask, ask me, me anything um, over there. Um, so uh, we have fun. We have fun too. Yeah, All right. And if you enjoyed this podcast or any of our podcasts, please click the like button. Um, we're always happy to hear from you with respect to comments. Uh, and please subscribe to any of the pages uh, so that you can stay up to date on our recent broad podcasts. All right. Until next time, everyone. Thank you very, very much. We'll look forward to uh, connecting with you all very soon. Love you, Mina. Bye, guys. You too.